The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Radio studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't understand the point that you're making. I got a you're lot of an play. idiot. I got a lot of play. <laughs> As I said yesterday, I think the whether you've been to the border or not or been to a various various things or not is a kind of a dumb political conversation. But she handled that incredibly poorly. It just couldn't have been worse. Yeah. Well, and I think there is value in going to the border, as I expressed yesterday. But putting that aside for the moment, she's terrible at her job. I mean, she's oh, just she's, a numbskull. She's a, ter- she's a terrible politician. But she's a she's a heartbeat away from the oldest heartbeat we've ever had from being president, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So the idea is she's going to the uh, northern uh, triangle countries there, your Guatemala, your El Salvador, et cetera. And uh, and, and, and she's going to seek out the root cause of immigration to the United States as if that's not known. It's it's been known for decades. It's better Everybody to live in the United. It. It's better to live in the United States than pretty much anywhere else in the world. That's that's the root cause. You want to throw some details around about crime and poverty and, and bad governance and lack of opportunity? Sure, we can talk about that. But everybody friggin' knows why it is. And 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 one more thing about the going to the border conversation. She's going to Guatemala to talk to the people who haven't emigrated about why they're emigrating. The, you go to the border, all them folks are there. They can tell you precisely about their lives and the rest of it. Go talk to the detainees. But anyway, so she wasted taxpayer money going down there. And, and then uh, do we have the clip where she says, do not come, do not. I don't remember that uh, speech she made. It was just ridiculous. Do not come. You will be turned back, she says, having promised throughout the campaign Free food, free schooling, free medical care, uh, being uh, not being arrested, not being deported, keeping families together, the rest of it. 
Uh, now she's saying, do not come, please. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, she certainly ran on free everything for anybody who comes. But, um, you know, even that aside, because she's now the vice president to uh, somebody else's policies, um, the policies are if you get here, you're taken care of, and everybody knows it. And as long as that's the policy, people will keep coming. The, real, the reality on the ground is going to matter a heck of a lot more than whether or not Joe Biden or Kamala Harris says don't come. Right. And the idea that we can pour so many billions of dollars into the Central American countries that will straighten them out, reform them, get their economies rolling, give them gleaming schools, fine baseball teams, an active PTA and the rest of it. I mean, it's just a joke. It would cost trillions of dollars and decades of effort. And even then it might not be successful. You just have to. That math will never change. That gravity will never change. People will be drawn to the United States for opportunity. So you have to make your enforcement mechanisms effective. It's just the only choice. Uh, let's see. What? Give me a clip number 31. I believe this is uh, Peter Ducey. The vice president's position on asylum seekers is evolving, too. In 2017, she tweeted, say it loud, say it clear. Everyone is welcome here. Now, the opposite. I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Progressive Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweets, This is disappointing to see. Seeking asylum at any U.S. border is a 100% legal method of arrival. Of course it is. And one of our focuses and the priorities of the president and the vice president is to improve asylum processing at the border. So much rhetoric, so much hypocrisy, so much posturing for progressive voters who just they they feel so warm inside when they hear the everybody is welcome. No human is illegal. We're a nation of immigrants. Bring me your huddled masses. That's right on the Statue of Liberty. And just these policies make no sense. Where are the grownups? Well, a majority of people don't agree with that. So it could be solved in a day. So both parties are complicit. We've been saying this for years. I think if you pay attention, you know it. Both parties are complicit in keeping this conversation going for their own reasons. And have been for a long time. You could solve it in a day if you wanted to, with majority approval by the by the by the public. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Instead, we get this. Uh, I want to hear at least one more of her her idiocy. Uh, let's see. Uh, what do you suggest? Thirty um, two is too long. How about thirty seven? I also believe that if you want to fix a problem, you have to go to where the problem exists. If you want to address the needs of a people, you must meet those people. You must spend time with those people. Because the only way we can actually fix the problem is to understand the problem. All right, that's enough of that. So here's a question for you, my darling. Why is it incumbent upon the United States to meet the needs of the people of El Salvador, for instance? I understand why it's in our interest. And you could make that argument, but she states it as if it's self-evident that we need to turn El Salvador into, I don't know, Bakersfield. And if we don't, we, you know, we got to take what's coming. Seems crazy to me. Just nuts. But you're right, Jack. You're right. Everybody wants the issue. They don't want to solve the issue. Uh, how do you feel about uh, Tucker's shots at Kamala? I thought those were pretty amusing. Uh, go ahead, 40. It was almost two years ago during the Democratic presidential primaries that Kamala Harris appeared on CNN 
to explain where she stood in the race. Now, at that moment, Harris had just been memorably and completely humiliated by Tulsi Gabbard of Hawaii during a televised debate. So she needed to explain what had just happened. Here's what she said, quote, I'm obviously a top tier candidate, Harris said. And so I did expect that I would be on the stage and take hits tonight. Now, if you're following the race at that moment, you chuckled because, in fact, Kamala Harris was not a top tier candidate. Not then, not ever. Not since the day she actually announced. Now, on paper, she had seemed like a very serious contender. She was a United States senator from the country's biggest state. She was a former prosecutor who enjoyed nearly universal support among Washington Post reporters and MSNBC anchors. So it seemed for a while like it could work. Why wouldn't it work? Well, here's why. The problem was actual voters found her repellent. We don't need to guess about this. We have the numbers. The more Kamala Harris they got, the more repelled they became. By December, Harris was losing to Andrew Yang in her own state. The majority of California Democrats, primary voters, said they wanted her to drop out of the race. Harris was even getting crushed in Iowa, a tiny state where she had spent virtually all of her money. So even in a business that is famous for rewarding falseness, Kamala Harris was just too phony to win. She was too fake for politics. She was the first one to get in to declare. She set up camp in Iowa the earliest she had to get out of the race before I even got there because it was going to be so embarrassing. And I had forgotten, though we talked about it at the time, that she wasn't even going to win California if she had stayed in her own yeah, state. Not even close. Uh, that's something. You know, one final note. I'm looking at the Washington Post's write-up of her trip and the controversy in the Lester Holt. I've never been to Europe either. I don't see your point. <laughs> and just the whole thing. And one thing I noticed repeatedly through in this article is it does the old liberal media thing. If Republicans screw up, the story is about the Republicans screwing up. If the Democrats screw up, the story is about the Republicans commenting on Democrats screwing up. Republicans have voiced outrage. No, they never just say this administration's uh, policies are just failing. They're just falling all over themselves. It's always the reaction. And one more thing from Byron York. Do not come, as Kamala Harris said, is an unbelievable warning. No one in Central America will believe her because the U.S. government's actions speak louder than the vice president's words. And that is clearly true. Word on the ground will be, until it ends, that if you can get to the border and get across, which is easy, and look at any of the videos from every single night, uh, you're in. Well, the action's louder than the words. I mean, it's a hurricane versus a mouse peep. I mean, everything you see, everything you, you read, you hear, everything your relatives who've made it to El Norte tell you says, yeah, you can get in. You can absolutely get in. And then the phony, dopey VP says, do not come. Oh, please. What a joke. My favorite political story of the day has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with sunning. And getting a tan. We'll have to tell you about that coming up. And the way MoviePass as a company tried to screw people when they were getting too good of a deal. Wait a second. Oh, I bought that for my son, MoviePass. Oh, I remember that. Oh, wait, wait till you hear this. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. You remember back, uh, I bought the unlimited data plan from AT&T way back when the iPhone first came out. And AT&T caught on it. Wait a second. Everybody's on their smartphone all the time. We can't afford this. And they came. they started throttling your usage. Movie pass. In other words, limiting your data. Yeah, MoviePass had the similar sort of thing. Wait a second. People are watching too many movies. We need to come up with a way to stop the. And the ways that they came up with are pretty funny. 
Excellent. It's worth sticking around for. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, one person out there enjoying the post-vaccine freedoms is Delaware Senator and man who just realized why this subway car is empty, Tom Carper. Carper drew some attention this week when he was spotted at a gas station in his home state dressed like this. Whoa! Looks like gas isn't the only thing Tom's been pumping. I think it's time for the Senate to step aside because this is obviously the world's most deliberative body. <laughs> i got to say the most shocking part of this is that someone with a camera said, hey, that older gentleman standing with his nips to the wind next to a 2001 Chrysler town in the country kind of looks like Delaware Senator Tom Carper. I'm getting 75 cents from TMZ. <laughs> um, so Stephen Colbert is talking about this picture that Sean gave me. So he is standing this, you know, and it hadn't even struck me. You know, I'm not, I don't care what you drive, but it does add to it that he's... <laughs> He's standing next to his $10,000 minivan. A U.S. freaking senator. Shirtless next to his old minivan? While he's filling up with gas, he thinks, oh, well, you know, I'll take a, catch a couple of rays. So he takes off his shirt and stands over on the sunny side where the van is in the sun and just stands there with his chest out. He's like supposed to be like 70 years old. I mean, it'd be weird if he were 40, but it's like a 70-year-old man making sure he catches, you know, an extra... Three minutes of sun while I'm uh, gassing up the minivan. I could either stand here for three minutes or I could get some sun. <laughs> I could get my tan on. I could get dark. <laughs> wow. Right on the street across from the Home Depot. So He's a U.S. senator. He's not, obviously not worried about being uh, spotted or identified or anything. That's odd behavior. That's just odd. It's harmless, probably. A little vitamin D while I'm out. Just multitasking. Yeah. Well, what's a good be- point. People would think it was weird if I did it. If there was a picture of me, like I'm getting gas and you see me take, you know, I'm getting, I look at my watch, I look at the tank, and I take off my shirt, go stand in the sun like this for a while. Like a cat finding a beam of right. light through the window. Right, let alone <laughs> a U.S. senator. It makes you wonder whether he's got a screw loose, honestly. Doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Uh, So movie pass, the idea was you bought a movie pass, and then for $9.95 a month, you could go to as many movies as you wanted. This was legit one of the greatest times of my life. I had so much fun with movie pass. Well, and like I said, I bought one for my son, and I remember at the time we were discussing how can they possibly make this work? The the math doesn't work. Launched in 2011, geez, was it that long ago? Movie pass gained more than 3 million subscribers, way more than expected. And during a 2017 promotion, offering any movie, any theater, uh, any day for nine ninety five a month. That's when you jumped on it, huh, Sean? Yeah, I, I was in it. That that's pretty point. cool. If if I if back when I could go to movies, any movie, any theater, any day for nine ninety five a month, it's a clear win. So th- this was at a time when theaters were struggling, and their their business plan was essentially: we are going to buy the tickets at full retail, and once we go to the movie chains and show how much traffic we are driving we will be able to negotiate down a better price point in the future. The movie chains eventually said, no, we're not going to negotiate, and then they essentially went bankrupt, which yeah. is what leads to a lot of this. Yeah, to get the fun parts coming up. So their 450,000 most active users were really going to a lot of movies, and so this was the, 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 the finances on this were not working. 
Because MoviePass was having to pick up the tab for those tickets, right? They were paying full retail. When yeah. I, I would pay the $10 a month subscription, and then every time I went to a movie, on the back end, they were essentially just paying full retail and then hoping Which they Which was could... roughly how much, do you suppose, on average? Uh, those tickets... Uh, Twelve bucks, maybe. So they they were losing money on every single transaction. Yeah. So they okay. started doing things where your password word word wouldn't work on purpose, or you couldn't <laughs> if you went to reset your password, you couldn't. You'd get network fail. <laughs> you know, and I've wondered about that with other companies so many times. Now I'm even more suspicious now that we've got documented evidence that a company does it. Um, it's like Facebook's thing. Oh, you can you can get out of Facebook. You can quit your Facebook account, <laughs> except you go to the account, and every time you go and try to get out of it, it's always you know not available at this time or busy with traffic or something like that. So MoviePass would do that. Yeah, uh, network fail. Try again later. So when you run into that with a company, they might be doing it on purpose. Wow, wow, that's funny. Yeah, it is. Well, they, they saw, I mean, like Amazon. You remember what a joke it was that Amazon lost money year after year after year? Will it ever turn a profit? What is Jeff Bezos thinking? Well, they figured, okay, yeah, we'll we'll build it, we'll renegotiate, we'll make a mint, but it didn't work. And it clearly never could. I, I thought, but anyway. You need Speaking to reset of- your password. Why do I need to reset your password? Well, the guy from Colonial Gas Company, by the way, the pipeline, Colonial Pipeline, he got mm-hmm. grilled by the Senate yesterday, and he said, I had a complicated password. <laughs> Senators were trying to claim that he had an easy password, like Colonial123 or something. And he said, no, we had a complicated password. All right? So lay oh, I just I just learned some really interesting stuff about spear phishing, about how I'd always what, assume. The actual act of killing fish with <laughs> spears? in a canoe. <laughs> No, indeed. The Internet practice of, okay. of sending you phony emails that you then click on, and that lets the uh, you know the bad guys into your computer system. I'd always thought it was just a numbers game, and they sent out these bulk emails. But, no, they're highly customized. They will research the key people in a company. They'll go over their social media postings, oh, really? figure out what their hobbies are, and the rest of it. So, you know, they might come to me and say, uh, Joe Getty, we notice you have a, uh, a vintage Telecaster. Uh, Did you know that it's worth twice as much as it was last year? And I'd be like, what? Really? And click on that, and bingo, bango. Uh, Cozy Bear is uh, is sleeping on my sofa, if you will. Or, you know, the the Russian hackers are are ooching their way through our infrastructure. I don't always do what you're supposed to do, which is to go to the company website. Sometimes I click on the email. Like if my credit card says, uh, did you just spend, you know, $14 at the Circle K? And if I did, I assume that's got to be real. How would anybody else know that I was just at the Circle K and spent fourteen dollars? But unless the greasy teenager behind the counter is working for the Russian mom, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> They're feeding them the numbers. Something is. Uh, what does they say on Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Something is afoot at the Circle K. That's right, exactly. <laughs> the Senate approved a bill with bipartisan support. What could that possibly be? Among other things, coming up. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. couple of things worth mentioning. Alyssa Milano is considering a run for Congress to unseat Tom McClintock of California, who we have been friends with for many, many, many years, going back to when he was just an assemblyman. Um, but uh, Alyssa Milano going to run against Tom McClintock maybe in California. As, as, Good luck. As Bill Maher has pointed out, for some reason we need to elect celebrities now. Celebrities have special insight. Although she's pretty active in politics. She is. She's always wrong. She seems to get really good seats at every sort of yeah. big hearing that goes down, so I don't know right. if that translates into being good at politics or not. But well, I didn't say she was good at it, but she <laughs> she does seem to pay a lot of attention to it, as opposed to some politicians that run that I'm not sure actually pay attention at all. So, um, uh, Different story. So we're winding down in Afghanistan, and it's getting uglier and uglier every single day, and the Taliban has taken over more and more chunks of the country, and they're still working with al-Qaeda, according to various reports ugly but this story of are we going to get our interpreters out or not is not getting enough attention and i can't believe that this hasn't been fixed yet so the interpreters that have been helping us in some cases for many years um uh, they we can't get through the red tape of getting them out of that country and into the united states and they're going to certainly be killed Uh, probably tortured and killed them and their families the moment we leave. Well, this is so incredibly frustrating. I remember this story from Iraq. 
Same thing with our interpreters. Yeah, and, just, and there seems to be nobody who disagrees with the idea that they need to be protected. Right. That is how suffocatingly impossible it is to get around a big government bureaucracy. I mean, there's nobody that doesn't say, oh, yeah, interpreter that has been helping us for years. Absolutely. We've got to get them out of there into the United States. If there's anybody, who, you know, we, we got people pouring across our border as I speak every single night. You've seen the videos. But somebody who's working with our troops to help keep them alive against the Taliban, uh, now it, it's just, you know, we just did take too long and we're, we're worried you might be a terrorist. So it's just, wow. it's just awful. Jonah Goldberg of the Dispatch, I was listening to him the other day on a podcast and he said, I am one, I'm not one of those people that's ever like not proud of my country. I'm not proud of my country because of this story. I'm disappointed in my country because of this story. Amen. It's, it's awful. It's just awful. And so, luckily, it's getting some attention. Members of Congress from both parties, right, the dispatch, are calling for Biden to uh, conduct a mass evacuation of Afghan interpreters. He, with all the executive orders that have been signed, just explain to President Biden in, like, one minute what the problem is and have him sign an executive order and done, done, done. But everybody's worried about if one person slips in and you end up with one of those... um what do they call that blue on green or green on blue? Right. Yeah. When when you hire the Afghans, you know, Afghan security forces and they turn on our own troops and they were infiltrated by the Taliban, that happens every now and then. You end up with one of those in the United States and there would be uh, hell to pay. Well, I think all of us understand that there is a very small risk, but if enough people vouch for a person, no, we worked with this guy for years, and he's at incredible risk, bring him in. I'm fine with that. I've heard the arguments from smart people. These aren't my own ideas, but here are the arguments, uh, a couple of arguments on this. Um, One, uh, there is a tremendous risk. You're worried about a risk? There is a tremendous risk of the world realizing uh, if the United States ever needs you as an interpreter, they're just going to hang you out to dry and you'll be killed, so don't help them. For any future engagement we ever have. That's oh, a, so that's, true. Not, that's beyond a risk. That's a guarantee if we treat the interpreters this way. The next time we're in some hell hole and we need help, we're not going to get help. No, no, word gets around. They have the Internet in hell holes. And so, yeah, I hope to God that they uh, are able to get them and their families out with some sort of executive order workaround of our stupid morass of a uh, immigration system. Just... And or, I don't know, let's finance some sort of organization of vets that flies their interpreters to Juarez City. And these guys are good in rugged territory. Please, have them come across the border. By the way, they're already vetted at a very high level. They don't just let anybody be an interpreter around our troops to start with. So they're right. vetted... And... And it occurs to me they're clearly a refugee. I mean, in the purest, most classic sense, there, they will be persecuted or killed for for their politics. There are actually um, uh, interpreters begging with their uh, groups that they're with. There are actually soldiers that are saying, hey, I'll pay for it myself. They can live at my house. Just get the paperwork done. I'll let them live with me until they can find some place to live because they feel so bad about allowing these people to be killed. After helping them for years, it's really a terrible story. It makes you, you know, it makes you question everything. It it makes you angry. I mean, I'm sitting here, I'm boiling. I just can't believe that the fix has not been found. I've been hearing about this forever. Yeah, and now we're getting down to like the last days of us being there. Can you imagine the fear and the feeling of betrayal these guys oh. are feeling? Oh my God! Can't even. And that's imagine. that's not the U.S. That's not a, uh, that's not what we do to our friends. Can't even. Imagine. It can't be. 
So, a different topic. We rarely get anything passed on a bipartisan level, but we did yesterday. The Senate voted 68-32 yesterday to pass the $200 billion U.S. Innovation and Competition Act, which aims to bolster U.S. competitiveness against China. It'll have to be approved by the House, but with that bipartisan uh, support, it's expected to pass the House and be signed into law by Biden. And it's all about us staying ahead of China with artificial intelligence and all kinds of different stuff. It's basically a sign that we're getting bipartisanly serious about China and and taking them on. You combine that with the temporary for now, but I have a feeling it'll be permanent extension of the Trump administration rules against uh, critical infrastructure equipment coming from China. Among other countries, um, it, it shows a seriousness about China uh, in the Biden administration, which is great. I mean, credit where it's due. Uh, they might not be doing it exactly the way I would like them to, but they are serious about China and recognizing the threat. So good for them, I say. Uh, coming up, a couple of things you might find interesting. Most people get their news online where they get their news online. I'm in the flipping business, and I was shocked oh, really? by the numbers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, the newest trend in building that surprised me, and uh, and what was the oh oh a tour of the great progressive experiment on the West Coast? How that's coming along, uh, touching on a number of different cities. Sean told me he's been shopping for several days for a bonsai NFT and finally settled on one. Yeah, yeah. Bonds like the the Japanese tree thing. Oh yeah, yeah except yeah. it's a picture of a tree. It is. Like it's not the, a picture. Uh, it's an NFT. It's it's an NFT of a carefully trimmed tree. Yeah, it's okay. got a beautiful little bird on it. It's got some fruit on the tree. So I'm looking at the picture huh. of it. You is this the one you purchased? <laughs> Bonsai number was seven thousand eight hundred twenty-four. Yeah, yeah. There's only eight thousand eight hundred eighty-eight in all of existence, Jack. And, and I've got one of them. And what did you pay for it? Point uh, oh nine five Ethereum. <laughs> okay. How many is that? Well, Change our... back on your uh, Ethereum. How much is that in our Earth dollars? I think it's probably a couple hundred bucks, something like that. You paid a couple hundred bucks for this. Now, I know you've made five figures in uh, NFTs over the last several months, investing and whatnot. Uh, probably still under five figures. But but, but almost to five figures. Uh, you, you've had some wins, in other yes, words. Yes, yes. Do you, do you expect this bonsai tree to go up in value? Uh, possibly, but I'm fine holding it. If not, it's very peaceful. I plan. What do on you meditating. mean holding it? <laughs> well, I'm looking at it now. So, I own it as much as you do. Yeah, your version Good luck of trying it, to sell it. But you're you're. <laughs> and I'm I'm not I'm not trying to just be a mocker because I realize this is a an actual thing. This is happening. Yes. But okay, I just screen captured the picture you sent yeah, me. The uh, mass it, hysteria of a crowd that believes they heard gunshots is a real thing too. It's craziness. It's it's terrible. I just screen captured it. I have exactly the same thing you have now, and I didn't pay any Ethereum, whatever those are, for it. Right? Uh, yes, but I could sell mine as well. So you have so uh, without the snapshot of right now, right? The, my my ape that I purchased a, a while ago that that you grabbed the screenshot of uh-huh. is that I now own this ape. But my ape is now worth more than your ape. I could sell my ape yeah. for 5x okay. what I paid for. Are you going to let your ape play on the uh, bonsai tree? <laughs> uh, n- no, but I expect him to share time in the metaverse at some point. If, if, if you're buying them and selling them and making money, you know, that's real. Um, uh, because enough people are going along with it. I still can't quite wrap my head around the... Because, like, if if uh, if a buddy of mine back in the day, uh, you know, there's an album I like, and I didn't want to go spend $14 on the album, and he made me a cassette copy, okay, so now I'm listening to the music, I, 
I, I, I felt like I got the same thing as he's got. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Close enough. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. The, the silly nerd, like, video game endgame of all this is in our virtual hangouts where I can invite friends over. I will have my digital bonsai tree in this virtual reality place. I will have a picture of my bored ape on the wall as this is the uh-huh. official. So that's that's kind of what the right. some of the appeal is to those who splash around in digital spaces. And when you say that, it makes as much sense as, uh, like, if you've got a print on the wall and it says down in the corner, one of 1,500 prints, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. They could have printed as many as they wanted. They printed this many. It's not the but real But you painting. actually have a print. Well, he you actually... don't have the NFT. <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's nothing there. I don't know. Why there's... don't you get a real bonsai tree? It'll occupy your like time. To kill that one. That is a good-looking <laughs> bonsai tree. Is that real, or is that just like an artist's conception of a bonsai tree? So these, uh, it is a generative piece of an NFT, which means that uh, when the person first minted this, they did not know how this was going to look. There are a set range of traits that can appear on these things. (laughs) I'm checking out. The random fruit and the the bird and the the pot that it's in, the leaves, the bark. Those are all kind of randomly generated when this so thing you, was minted. So you paid a I'm going to pop in my earbuds and listen to the album Jack was just mentioning. You, you paid a couple of hundred dollars for Bonsai number 7824. Correct. And it may go up in value. In, Possibly. In it. But if not, then I can just look at it and meditate by it. And, okay. And be, right. uh, be perfectly zen. This is either going to go away and be laughed at for centuries. Ding! Or, or catch on and be the new what future. What ding? That I need to get on board with. I don't know what you're that going. ding? That was weird. <laughs> so we've been talking a lot about how siloed people are in their information, and you got healthy, uh, uh, vaccinated adults still wearing their masks in the park and stuff like that. It's just crazy. So where are people actually getting their information online? Uh, the numbers blew me away. I think you might find them interesting to that and a whole bunch of good stuff coming up. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. With vaccination rates slowing, some states are getting creative with their incentives, like Washington State, which will allow adults to claim a free marijuana joint when they receive a COVID-19 vaccination shot. Don't take it. It's a trap. Only narcs call it a marijuana joint. Would you care to puff upon this cannabis cigarillo or perhaps some cocaine-flavored nasal powders? I'm a young hip bay like you, fam. Smash and subscribe. pretty funny he is obnoxious at at times but a funny funny man i just read that uh, 70 percent of people who are not vaccinated say they ain't gonna be or it's 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 pretty unlikely so efforts to beat those numbers up are probably futile because they're anti-vaxxers or anti-taxers taskers uh, or they don't perceive there to be any serious risk of COVID to them, especially at this point. At, I, I'm pro-vaccination, but if I hadn't gotten it yet, I'm not sure I would get around to it now. Just the kind of guy I am. I'm not sure I would make an appointment and then actually show up. Just because I don't feel that threat. I wouldn't feel a threat of COVID. Yeah, you got that new, uh, what's the new uh, strain that's going around? The Delta strain? Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, even more contagious than the previous more contagious strain. And they say 
perhaps worse outcomes, but nobody's quite sure yet. But. California joined Vermont in the top tier or bottom tier, depending on how you look at it. The top tier of not having COVID. Um, two states with the least COVID, Vermont and California, yesterday. But California still closed up like it's May of 2020. For some reason. Because the government's so bad. That's the reason, I think. Uh, so I found this just so interesting. This is uh, page views of news websites last last month. And I'd really like to uh, you know, keep track of these figures on a consistent basis. And if you want to look them over, we have them under hot links, A&G hot links at armstrongandgetty.com. But uh, most people get their news online at this point. You should get it through talk radio, clearly, but most people go online. And the number one news uh, site, number one news outlet, Google News, with 1.8 billion clicks. 1.8 billion, which is about 700 million more than the second place outlet. Wow. So, so stop, Google, stop. with all of its sins and censorship and, and, and wokeness and the rest of it, number one by far. So Google News, um, is that a site? No, Google doesn't have a news department, but they are an aggregator of other things. So if I go to Google News, uh, just googlenews.com, right, right now they have a collection of stuff from Politico, collection of stuff from NBC News, Washington okay. Post. I've never gone to Google News. Maybe I should start. Have you ever Googled a news story? Of course. Yeah. So that yeah. counts as Google News? I don't know that. I suppose, probably just Google News, the, the site itself. Hmm. But in second place, again, 700 million clicks back is, of all things, CNN with 1.09 billion uh, clicks. Yeah, CNN actually does a decent job on breaking news. Um, so I think I get that. They're, they're, the CNN channel, the, the cable news channel, is unwatchable. But the website's okay for breaking news. Fox News is in third, pretty far back. Remember, CNN was uh, almost 1.1 billion. Fox is 843 million. Then the New York Times is in fourth place. Yahoo News is in fifth. Then Drudge still hanging in. I don't check Drudge much these days. I haven't in years. Just kind of drift, drifted away. Uh, then the Washington Post, although Drudge is at 594 million, the WAPO is at 365. So that's another pretty, pretty big drop off. We're definitely into the third tier now. So I had never actually gone to the, the Google News stuff before, but looking at it, they, they group by story and then give you a bunch of different outlets covering that same that story. That sounds pretty good to me. I could see checking that out. I'm surprised that I don't, I've never used that before. So Senate is Republican, it Google.news, Sean? Or uh, news.google.com. Okay. So, like, on this one, Senate Republicans block bill targeting, uh, yeah, so it's about the, and then Politico has their version of it, CBS News has their version on it, Yahoo News has their version on it, and they seem to do that you just based on story, which is interesting. I hadn't seen other aggregators uh, group that way before. Yeah, yeah I'm clicking on it myself, view full coverage. That's actually pretty cool. Oh, my yeah. God, I like something Google's doing. Yeah, it's pretty, ha- how am I not aware of this? Or are you all listeners saying, you're not aware of this, Jack? How the hell are you not aware of this? This is the first thing I check every day. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm going to put it on my uh, uh, homepage here, and I'm going to click on it every morning. Of course, Google now knows everything about me, everything I've ever said and done, and is crawling around in my wife's underwear drawer, but that's their business model. Uncool. Let's see. So we did the WAPO, then it's uh, Catblog BuzzFeed. Got 289 million uh, clicks. USA Today. CNBC, 
New York Post, HuffPo, Politico, Wall Street Journal. Then you're getting down into things I don't really know very well. Raw Story, Breitbart, TMZ, NBC News. Now we're under 100 million clicks. Raw Story could be anything. Yeah, no kidding. Who knows what Uh, you get when you click on that? The Hill, ABC News, CBS News. So it's interesting that NBC's news uh, online news brand is much more potent than ABC or CBS. Then Newsmax, LA Times, Daily Beast, and Daily Wire. Well, the it's big, down to about 49 million. Obviously, a headline out of this is that uh, the Google News thing is by far the number one news site. Not not even close. So it also seems it seems somewhat disingenuous to group them as those other things that have like a news department. Right. Though. Right. That they're generating sure, it's an aggregator. Uh, yeah, a, Google curator. News is giving those other places clicks. The, the the inverse isn't true. Yeah, yeah. It does though. Once again, show the mind-bogglingly enormous uh, potential mm-hmm. for manipulation by the conglomerate that is Alphabet slash Google. Well, like they've got an app version of Google News. I see. So I could just have that app on my phone. But man, what kind of uh, opening to my life is installing that app? Uh, Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So uh, we're going to do a little uh, point-by-point review of the great progressive West Coast experiment for you coming up. Some good, some bad, some waking up to reality, which is encouraging. Also, we need to get back to the whole China infiltrating our our key systems with their technology story that's getting more and more attention right, left, and center. Troubling. Oh, yeah. And we'll take a look at Alyssa Milano's candidacy for Congress. We will. Armstrong and Getty. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.